I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Man, welcome to week two of the I Am series, the I Am statements of Jesus in the book of John. He says I am throughout the Bible, really, but we're looking for these seven weeks at uh, the seven statements that Jesus made about himself in John, and when someone tells you who they are, believe them, okay? And so Jesus, what we I want us to find out who Jesus is, not some things about Jesus, but I, I want us to know who Jesus is. Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, and so we're going to know who Jesus is. Last week, we talked about how Jesus is the bread of life. Today, we're talking about how Jesus is the light of the world, and, and so, looking forward to today, one of the things that I like about uh, Facebook is, if you have Facebook, you know how sometimes they will say, you know, back in, in 2010, this was a picture that you posted, or this was something that you posted back then, have you noticed this, you've seen this, and that's kind of a good news, bad news thing, because, you know, 10 years ago, you look at that and you go, is that what I looked like 10 years ago, <laughs> you know? Uh, sorry, everybody, for who knew me 10 years ago, that type of a thing, you know. Uh, but you also get to see some things that, was, that you posted, that you quoted. And this popped up on my, uh, on my feed on Monday, and I read it, and it was absolutely hilarious, and it was uh, perfect for today. So apparently, back in 2012, I asked my three girls, I have three girls, they are now 18, 15, and uh, 14 this Saturday. So there you go, Juliet. Um, I asked them um, who dad was, who is dad, okay, and I, and I wanted them, to, apparently back in 2012 I asked them this, and so at the time Olivia was eight, Claire was six, Juliet was four at the time, okay, and so they answered and apparently I posted on Facebook for all to see, and so who was dad, and so Olivia, who was eight years old, said that dad is lovable and handsome. Wow, look at that, not too bad. She's always been a smart one, that Olivia, you know. <laughs> Juliet said that I was funny and brave. All right. Claire? Claire said that I was important and fixable. <laughs> okay. I didn't know six-year-olds knew those words at the time, but... And the kicker, apparently, Becky said that none of those were true. <laughs> so, 
All right, so we just found a little bit about me, okay? We just shed some light on me. So now let's shed some light on you. Let's find out who you are a little bit, okay? So I'm going to ask a question or make a statement here. And husbands and wives, okay? If this is you, husband or wife, I want you to raise your hand. It's either you or your spouse, okay? You see what I'm saying? So raise your hand if this is you, okay? So husbands and wives here. Single people in the room. Um, this, this is marriage counseling, future marriage counseling for you, know what to do and what not to do, okay? So, all right, so married people in the room, raise your hand if this is you. You never know where you want to go eat. You can't decide if you're going to a restaurant. You're the one most often who doesn't know. I see some hands and some pointing, okay? <laughs> okay? Um, you have the most pair of shoes in your closet between the two. Between, okay, okay. I'm learning about some people here. This is good. Who is the better driver? Raise your hand. Whoa! Hands just went up everywhere. <laughs> oh my goodness. That was incredible. That is the first time that I, as a preacher, asked a question and 100% hands went up in any context. <laughs> that was amazing. Okay, whose phone rings more often? Not text more often, rings more often. Which one? Okay. Blake, have you raised your hand at every question? Who has complained the most about this Texas winter? Anybody? Juliet raised her hand. <laughs> okay. I think it's going to be 80 today, so we're fine. Last question. Who loves their spouse the most? Where's that 100%? Okay, good. I'm trying to help everybody out here. <laughs> All right. Oh, yes. Sorry. Thank you. Claire's looking out for me. I'm fixable, see? You were right. <laughs> you were exactly right. All right. So sometimes it's good to shed some light on the situation. Sometimes it's good to know kind of where you stand, okay? And so that's what happens when we turn that when you turn the light on, a, on in a dark room, you can see what is there, and that is a good thing. Okay? And so Jesus talks about that he is the light of the world in John chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 8. Uh, we'll be on the screen for you as well. But we are going to shed some light on who Jesus is and move closer to him as well as we have just shed some light on us and some marriages here in the room this morning. Uh, John chapter 8. Last week we were in John chapter 6. I am the bread of life. Or, yes, and so today I am the light of the world. John chapter 8, starting in verse 12. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and he taught them. So here he is, he, he's in the temple. And so just for reference here, which, which I think is very interesting, is that what's going on right now is the Feast of Tabernacle. And... Uh, they had, the, the Jewish people, they had different feasts for everything. We, we had a feast for this, we had a feast for this, and we had Passover over here, and we had everything. 
they had this, everything going on, and it was symbolic of what happened in their past. That's why they celebrated these different feasts. And so this one in particular um, was to remind them that while they were walking in the desert, in in the wilderness, that the Lord led them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. Okay, some of you know fire by night. And so what they would have in the temple right now to, to remind them of this is that they would have these giant lamps set up all around the temple so that during this time you didn't have to go, you didn't have to wait during the day to go to the temple. You could actually come at night and you could worship, you could hear some teaching and all this stuff. So we have lights all around the temple where you can come and you can see. Jesus then steps in and uh, different parts of, uh, of the temple also had, um, they were called certain things. And where he sat down to teach was actually called the court of women, which is where, where he was, he's teaching from. Uh, at another time, this is when he sat down and he saw, it was right in front of the treasury. So it was when the lady came in with two copper coins and Jesus said, uh, you know, this woman has given more than all these others. So at, that was a teaching at a different time, but he was in the same place here, Okay. So he's in the court of women surrounded by tons of light, okay, which is very interesting and a great backdrop for this story. So verse 3, as he was speaking, so he's teaching the people here, okay, as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd, teacher, they said to Jesus, This woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? So these Pharisees, I guess, worked for TMZ back in the day, okay? It's like, gotcha journalism right here, okay? They shoved the camera in his face. What do you think about this? And so that's what what these Pharisees are doing. They, They throw her down in front of just God and everybody. Well, I guess literally God and everybody. And Jesus is there. And he says, here is, look at this woman. We had just caught her in the act of doing this and threw her down. Now, these Pharisees, they were not upholding justice here. They were not, you know, stepping up for the law of God. This is not what they were doing, okay? They, you know, Jesus could kind of see through their intentions a little bit, which we'll see. Um, but they were out to catch Jesus in something. They, they, they were looking for a, a, a way to catch him in a way that they could use it against him. Um, and then to, to have this big charade in front of everybody, um, you see that these people were very disingenuous in what they were doing. Another reason why we know this is because if she's caught in the act of adultery, why did they only bring the woman to stand in front of trial? Where's the man at? Why didn't they bring him? Well, because it, it's theater, okay? It's theater. We're going to bring this woman, we're going to throw her down to the court of women, and we're going to throw her down, and we want Jesus, we want you to make a ruling right now. He says, what do you say? Verse 6, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him, like I said. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again, and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Jesus has such a way that whenever the Pharisees or whenever even us, we have a really good argument <laughs> to like come to him with our human wisdom. We think we're pretty smart. 
Jesus has a way to completely turn it back on us. And so they're coming with their gotcha journalism, and then in one fell swoop, he turns the gotcha back on them. Now, okay, fine, you're right, okay? Law of Moses says that. If you don't have any sin, you go ahead and throw the first stone. Uh, well, now the theater is off of Jesus. They, they're trying to shine the light on Jesus, and Jesus shines the light right back on them. And that's going to show their motives, what they're actually there for. Verse 8, then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. So that, that had to be just interesting for the audience who's just there observing what's going on. Okay, They're just there to see this, to have these grown men who were supposed to uphold justice and the law and to have the, the stones are ready. Like they showed up with the woman and stones. <laughs> like they, they, they were guilty until proven innocent, or the, the woman was, right? They brought the woman and they brought the stones. And when Jesus completely disarms them, this, this visual of them, one just dropping the stone and walking off, because then they couldn't say, if they, if they threw a stone at her, what they're saying is that I've never sinned before. I'm equal with God. And they're not going to say that. Who's going to say that? And it says that they start with the oldest. And what that means is that, that wisdom finally took over a little bit. <laughs> wisdom took over a little bit and says, okay, I, I can't do that. And then one by one by one, I don't know how many were there, but one by one, they dropped their stone and they walked away. Verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. So Jesus, <laughs> in love and compassion and grace, comes to her aid. No one in that day and time went and took the sinner's side. Everyone always took the religious guy's side because people wanted to be seen as religious. So everybody took the, whatever the religious guy says, yep, that's what happened. But for him to, for Jesus to stand up for the woman, for the sinner, to bring her in was just unheard of. And what, how many mouths dropped of the audience who was there as these people walk away and then she's there. Now, one thing that is somewhat lost in this is this, this very, very last part that says go and sin no more. Okay? Jesus acknowledged that what she did was sinful. She did sin. She was caught in the act of adultery. And what he was saying was is that you are, if you're wanting to get to God, there is something between you and God, and that's called sin. And so if you want to have a relationship with God, you are going to have to go and sin no more. Sin has to be taken out of your life so that there is an access to the Father. And so he doesn't sugarcoat this. He doesn't just, oh, it's okay, it's okay. You, you, you're fine. We got it, didn't we? All right. You can go ahead and go. No. He brought, he had grace and he had love, but he also had truth to give as well. What you're doing is keeping you from relationship with God. 
Stop it. Stop doing that, okay? So he's not taking sides. If he's taking sides, he's taking the side of God. And so, yes, he spoke to the Pharisees over here, and he shined a light on them, but he also shined a way for, to bring this woman back to God the Father. And the way that he did that was to show them the way, to shine the light on the path to take here. So look at this visual. This is just fantastic. Jesus is standing there in the court of women, surrounded by lights, surrounded by these lamps that they set up to remind them that God is above them, leading the way because of fire by night. Then he shines light on the sin of the religious people. But not only did he shine the light on the religious people to show their sin, he also shined a light to bring, to show the way back to Jesus and to the Father through Jesus. And these people are looking at this. Lamps everywhere, exposing their sin, showing a light on how to get there. And then he says this in verse 12, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Man, I wish I would have been there just to see. I mean, this was the first illustrated sermon, like right there for them. And he didn't even make it up. They just came and they did it for him. We've got the lamps everywhere. He exposes their sin, but he also shows the way using the light. And it wasn't that I know where the light is or I know where you can find the source. He says, I am the light. When you come to me, you are set free from the power of sin by Christ alone. Shining the light on temptation exposes the fact that it is sin and the Spirit gives us the power to overcome it. You can overcome sin. Did you know that? And shining that light on the, on the temptation exposes that fact. The problem is sometimes is that we get a little comfortable with our sin. And here's how that happens. Uh, have you ever walked into a dark room? Uh, Becky typically goes to bed sooner than I do. I, I, I kind of stay up a little late. So when I come in, it is pitch black in there. So I close the door. I can't see anything. It's all black. I've tripped over a thousand things before, okay? <clears throat> but I, I, I've kind of learned, and maybe you've seen this as well too, that if you, if you just wait six or seven seconds, if you just hold on, your eyes adjust to the dark a little bit. And you can see, okay, bookshelf here, <laughs> edge of the bed there. Looks like I left my shoes out again there, okay? And, and, and you can kind of, if your eyes, if you give it enough time, your eyes will adjust to that sin. I'm sorry. Your eyes can adjust to the darkness. <laughs> I jumped slightly ahead. And you can make your way around and you think, you know, it's not that bad. If I give it enough time, I can make my way through. But that's exactly what, what sin is. Is that over time, it adjusts your eyes and your outlook on things to make it think that it's okay. Obviously, if I was to turn the light on, I would know exactly where everything is. And I know, don't walk too far that way. There's a bookshelf. The edge of the bed is right there. It, the light tells me where I can go and where I should not go. 
And that's freedom. Freedom is not I can do whatever I want to. No, freedom is the, the, the knowledge because of the light to know where you should go and where you shouldn't go. But many times we let our, our eyes adjust to the sin and then we think, eh, it's, it's not so bad. The more you let your eyes adjust to darkness, the less you think you need the light. When you move away from the light and into darkness, your eyes adjust, you can see a little. Do not let your eyes adjust to sin. Do not let your eyes adjust to sin. It affects your outlook, it affects where you think everything is, and it affects where you think it is okay for you to go. Sin is always crouching at your door, though, ready to trip you up. And <clears throat> many times we don't go out like looking for sin. It's not like it's Friday night, let's go find some sin somewhere. That, that, that's not typically what we do. In fact, or instead, this is, this is more of what it's like. If, if I wanted to make this room darker, who, who's on lights? Okay, Kevlin's on, light, on lights. Kevlin, help me out here. I want to make this room darker. Can you add darkness to this room? Go ahead and do that. No, you can't. You can't just, you can't like bring in some darkness? No? Okay. Okay, let's try this. What if you turn lights off? Would that make it darker? Okay, try that. What if we turn, turn the lights off? Okay. So what just happened? Did we add darkness to the room or did we take away light? We took away light. And that's what happens. Many times we're not running out somewhere trying to find where sin is. We're not looking to add darkness to our light, to our life. What we do is, is that we gradually move away from light. You can turn the lights back on. Thank you. <clears throat> so we, what we do is we'll do simple things like we'll forget to read our Bible and to pray and to go to church and to hang out with other Christian people. And we remain in the light that way when we're doing those things. But when we neglect our Bible and we stop praying and they, we're not adding darkness. We're not trying to sin more. But what we're doing is, is that we're dimming that light in our life just a little bit at a time. Just a little bit at a time until our eyes get adjusted and we think, well, we don't need the light anymore. Everything is just fine. We cannot, we cannot move away from the light when we read our Bible, Psalm 119, the word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. That's what the word of God is. If you're in darkness, you read the word of God. We, we have seen this, really, we've seen this in America. In the 60s, we took prayer out of school, didn't, did we not? Okay, well, we didn't start adding bad people into the school what do we do? We took away the light. And then it's gotten progressively worse and worse in many places, right? We didn't add darkness. We took away the light. So if you want to walk in freedom, walk in his light. Continually have that Bible in front of you. Continually have that prayer. Continually come to church. Being, <laughs> I would not have traded the Spirit of God this morning 
that we felt during worship time, communion time, for anything. That's what we do. We come to church. Listen, don't, don't add that darkness into your life. You can choose not to sin. Did you know that? People say, well, you know, everyone sins. Everyone sins. Well, everyone has sinned. That doesn't mean you, you get to keep on sinning. Okay? Everyone has sinned. That doesn't, that doesn't give you a right or justification to keep on doing it. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have the power to overcome sin and the enticement of temptation in our life. We don't have to sin. We're not, well, woe is me. Look, Romans chapter 6. It's not in your notes. Let me read a couple of verses here. Well, then, should we keep on sinning that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. We have died to sin. How can we continue to live in it? We've died to it. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. You do not have to go out and sin today. Like you don't have to if you don't want to. Because the power of Christ lives inside of you. Does it not? So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. It has no power over you. Those who have accepted Christ, it has no power. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Sin no longer is no longer your master. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. I am so thankful for God's grace. And as we walk in the light, we, that light expels the darkness. It's gone. There must be, listen to this, there must be a divorce between you and sin for there to be a marriage between you and Christ. There must be a divorce between you and sin for there to be a marriage between you and Christ. And Jesus allows for that to happen. When Jesus lives inside of us, his light shines through us to see the path, to know the truth, and then to point others toward God. Remember what he said in Matthew 5.14? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So he says, I am the light of the world, but then when I live in you, now you are the light of the world. Point others to God the Father. That's what we can look forward to, to a life living with Christ inside of us. The light, what it does, it exposes the sin that is in our heart, but then it also leads us back to, to God. Exposes the sin in our heart and then leads us back to God because He is that cloud by day and that fire by night that leads us where He wants us to go. You do not have to wake up every morning defeated. Well, where's sin going to get me today? You are more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Now, if you sin, not when you sin, if you sin, the power of Christ can cover that as well. But you don't have to, okay, on Wednesday, when am I sinning? No, 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 you don't have to do that. You can walk through this life walking in the light of Christ. 
And we have got to give that over to him. We've got to give that sin over to him so that we can walk in his life. If there's something, <laughs> if there's something stopping me from having a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want it out of the way. Out of the way. And I say, God, expose that in my heart. Yes, it might be an embarrassing week to expose the sin in my life, but it sets me up for an eternity with Christ. And I will take that trade off every single time. A week of embarrassment for eternity with Christ, I'll take it. I'll take it because I want that out of my life. We're going to go into a time of, of prayer this morning. So if you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. Very simple service today. Jesus is the light of the world. He's the light of the world. He exposes the sin that is in our hearts. And then he leads us back to him. He doesn't leave us in our sin. He doesn't turn the lights out on us. No, he leads us back. Whether you're the Pharisee or the, the woman caught in adultery, whoever you are. That's what the light of the world does. So I'm going to pray a prayer. But in just a moment, I want us to, I want us to pray. I want you to talk. I, I've, been, I've been hitting on, on the altar for weeks now. I want the altar to be a, a, a common place for us to visit, knowing that we are rapidly moving closer to God. So if you're here today and you say, I've got sin in my heart, that it, it, it has been exposed this morning, and I want to ask forgiveness of that sin, today is the day for you. I want to move to the light. I'm tired of the darkness that is in my heart. I want to move towards the light. Or you're here and you say, I have got a friend, I've got a family member, somebody close to me that I have been trying for weeks, for months, maybe for years to shine that light, that path to Jesus. And I desperately want them to know the Lord. We're going to have prayer for them as well. Let me pray for us today. Lord, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for being the light of the world. The light of the world. You've shined your light on us and exposed those places that we have got to give up. Give back to you. We took communion today even to remind us of what you did for us on the cross. God, I pray that there are those who are here today or those who are watching online. Pray that they would give their life to you. That they would follow that light, step out of darkness, and move toward that light. Then there are some in the room, they've been a Christian for a while, and they've been praying for their brother, for their mom, for their grandma, for their neighbor, for their friend, to come to know Jesus. And they desperately want them to come to know you. And I pray, I pray that you would provide opportunity for that. That the people who are about to come down and pray at the altar for those friends and for those neighbors and for those family, that you would give them opportunity, maybe even this week, to share the love and the light of Jesus Christ with them. God, I pray for Friendship Church, that we would be a light to our community as well. That when they come in, when we go out, that the light, the light of the world will be shining through us to bring others to Christ. Lord, I pray that you would be with us here today. 
in Jesus' name. So we're going to have a time of prayer. If you, if you would stand with us here today, we're going to have a time of prayer and then a time of worship as well. So if you're here today and you say that one of those two people is me, that I, I, I need to give this thing over to him. I need to give this to him. Apologize and repent. Go the other direction. Or you're here and you say, I've got somebody in my life that I desperately want to see come to the Lord. And I want to lift them up to you. Would you, either one of those people, would you just make your way right now? Make your way to the altar and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for our souls, for our lives, but also for those that we are praying for as well. I've I've included both of those in there, okay? I've included both people. Say, I need to give this to you, or I know someone who desperately needs to come to know the Lord. As we take a few minutes and pray, and then a few minutes of worship, can we lift these needs to the Lord this morning? Lift these needs to God today. And say, light of the world, shine your light on us today.